whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. on my mind. Two reasons, actually. Uh, number one, I work in schools. So so you see it sometimes, even more so you think about it. As a teacher, as somebody who substitutes a lot, there are, I do encounter students who try to bully me as the teacher, as the substitute, you know. <laughs> doesn't work. Doesn't work. I'm, I'm bigger than them. I'm older than them. And I can always send them to the office. And most people don't like detention. So that usually ends before it starts. But I have to admit, I still have faced situations I, recently, I don't know if any of you have, in, uh, in their jobs, in our lives, people who do things to our kids. Oh, heaven help me if someone did something to my kid. But uh, it's hard. And a lot of times, you know, we see those prayers in Psalms, the Lord just defeat my enemies, thwart them, throw them, you know, at one point, one psalmist said, I wish you would dash their babies against rocks. That's that's pretty, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's one of those prayers that they're saying you should pray this. <laughs> I think that's one of their prayers that's saying this is how people feel sometimes. And, uh, yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. But let's be honest, I don't know that we would mostly pray that people, we'd, we'd want people's babies dashed against rocks. But sometimes we can understand that sentiment where we get really angry and we're just like, God, fix, mm, give them what they deserve. Give them what they deserve. And then the harder prayer is, Lord, change their hearts. Lord, meet the needs. Whatever need is missing, whatever understanding is missing that's causing them to do this thing that's horrible, just change their hearts. Um, I found myself in a prayer meeting. In a prayer meeting where we, we chose and we continually pray this prayer for our government. And let's be honest. Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, I don't care, I don't like any of them, you know, any any of those political standpoints, we've all, particularly in the past two years, faced decisions by our government that we vehemently disagree with. And we have all seen corruption in our government. I live in New York State, so we just had a governor who had to resign because of some stuff. And it is we just don't always have a whole lot of faith in, in our government, you know, unfortunately. Hopefully we have faith in our God, uh, because history is just right with a bunch of people who did the wrong thing for the wrong reason, and yet God's is still God. So as Christians, fortunately, we can hope beyond whatever the human being who is supposed to be the steward of our nation or our government is or was, and we still pray for them. But uh, praying for changing of hearts, and I won't say a particular person, we all know people in government or maybe in school or, you know, school leadership or somebody who seems to be wielding an authority or power in the wrong way. And we need them not to. And uh, the easy prayer is God take them away, you know, <laughs> or God expose them. And 
And sometimes that's right. But what if we started to pray God change them? And I truly, truly believe as we started to pray uh, in, in the prayer meeting and said, you know, God, be with government. Help them to see who you are. Help them to know who you are. For those who are corrupt, change their hearts. For those who are misguided, change their minds. Just help them to see the truth so that our nation can heal. And I just thought of so, there are so many examples. There are several examples in scriptures of people who started as the bully and then God changed them. The one that always comes to mind first is the example of Paul, who is arguably the greatest missionary in all Christian history. Not that there haven't been good ones, but he's the one that wrote half the New Testament, you know. And in his conversion, he was on his way to kill families just for being Christians. So literally, he was on his way in the name of God, so he thought, to kill babies. And that's when he was converted. His very worst was the baseline for when he started his very best. And then almost immediately, he did this turnaround. Well, there's another great example. And we almost never talk about it. I've almost never, I don't even know if I've heard a sermon on this, but it's such a cool story. And so in Daniel 3, we learn that story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they refused to bow down to the king's statue and so they were thrown in the furnace, um, fiery furnace, then didn't get burned, right? Well, really, we shouldn't call it Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Really, that's not the name of the story because the real names of these three were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. A really big bully king changed their name. King Nebuchadnezzar changed their name because he was a bully. And this is what he did. He was the ultimate, ultimate. It's hard to find more than a handful of people in history that were worse than him in terms of intimidation. I mean, he just thwarted the other great empire, um, Assyria, the one that had overtaken part of Israel anyways. He sacked the city. He stole all the gold from the temple. He destroyed the temple. He took everybody but the poorest of poor from Jerusalem and relocated them in and around Babylon. And he did this over and over and over again. He's like, I'm not just going to conquer your land. I'm going to strip your identity. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah all had forms of the word God in the name. And he didn't like that. He's like, you're going to worship my God. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are actually Babylonian names with Babylonian gods infused into them. He fed them different kinds of food. And obviously the heroes in the story were the ones that were like, listen, I'll do what you tell me to. As long as it doesn't go against what God says. As soon as it went against the will of God, they were willing to stand up and say, no. That's all they said. No. They just said no, right? So this big, huge bully didn't get what he wanted. But there's a next part of that story. That was Daniel 3. Daniel 4, there's this great witness from this guy who has been absolutely overwhelmed by God and I'm on a I'm on my phone now I'm on my iPhone or I'm on my I don't have an iPhone I'm too cheap for that I'm on my uh, smartphone and it says I worship this is Daniel 437 I worship magnify and glorify the king of heaven all his works are truth all his paths are justice and he's able to humble all who walk in pride so that's like somebody you want to lead you and guide you right it's 
it's the same person. It's Nebuchadnezzar. God humbled him. God humbled him in a crazy way. Crazy, crazy way. He literally... He had this dream, and he asked Daniel to interpret it, and he said... I wish this, and, and Daniel's interpretation was, sir, sir, I wish this dream to be for those who hate you, and it's meaning to be for your enemies. The tree you saw that grew in size and strength, that was as high as the sky, because um, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about this tree that could be seen from every corner of the earth with its beautiful leaves and its abundant fruit, and that had enough food for everyone with wild animals living under it and birds nesting in its branches. Your majesty, that tree is you. Okay, this is starting really good, right? He had a really good tree. Tree dream, I guess. You have grown large and become powerful. Your greatness is as high as the sky. Your rule extends to the edge of the earth. Woohoo! But, Your Majesty, the holy watcher you saw coming down from heaven, who said, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave its deepest roots in the earth, bound with iron and bronze in the field, grass, dew from heaven, is to wash it, and it must live with wild animals until seven periods of time pass over it. Your Majesty, this is the dream's meaning. It is the sentence of the Most High delivered to my master, the king. So, he basically said, yeah, you're great, but God's going to cut you down. That's what your dream was. Uh, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, we're up to verse 28. He was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. The king declared, isn't this Babylon the magnificent city? Magnificent city that I built as the royal house by my own mighty strength and for my own majestic glory. These words hadn't even left the king's mouth when a voice came from heaven. You, King Nebuchadnezzar, are now informed. Kingship is taken away from you. You will be driven away from other humans and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass with cattle and seven periods of time will pass over you until you acknowledge that the most high dominate human kingship, giving it to anyone he wants. King Nebuchadnezzar's sentence was immediately carried out. He was driven away from other humans and ate grass like cattle. Dew from heaven washes his body, washed his body until he grew hair like eagle's feathers and claws like a bird. So we're talking for a period of about a year that this guy that was ruler over all, great big old, nobody can touch me, I'm going to change your name, I'm going to move you where you want, where I want, I'm going to tell you you have to eat what you want. Talk about a bully. Talk about violation of civil liberties. Those things, nobody even knew they existed back then. And then like that, he's walking around like a cow, eating grass like a cow. For almost a year. That's pretty drastic. But at the end of that year, guess who worshipped the Lord? Guess who realized who was boss? Guess who changed his whole rule? And guess how that affected everything within his purview? Unfortunately, his son, Belshazzar, did not catch the hint. And he died a tragic early death because of it. But what I'm saying is, God can take care of it. God took care. Unfortunately, Belshazzar's was taken care of by having to die an early death. A tragedy and all that. Nebuchadnezzar, in what only God can do, his entire heart was changed. His entire will was broken. If God can do that, with one of the nastiest but most powerful kings in all human history. 
God can do that with our boss at work. God can do that with our political leaders. So what would happen if we started praying and declaring it? And guess what? If God can break that, God can break us. God can change us. And the breaking is part of the miracle sometimes. I don't guess that Nebuchadnezzar really wanted to eat and feel like he was an animal for a year. And to have be woolly like a bird or feathery like a bird, that's just gross. But in the end, he was able to bow down to God in gratitude because that was part of the change of his heart. And that's our prayer. Lord Jesus, sometimes you do things that we don't like. And we just ask you to help us to have faith in the process, to lean into you in the process because you're changing our heart. And Lord, we ask for that same thing. You can change the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. You can change the heart of Paul. You can change the heart of our leaders who just simply don't see you. Show them who you are, Lord. Whatever it takes to bring your will on this earth, Lord, we're not going to pray for destruction. We want to love our enemies. We want to love those that we disagree with. But we sure pray that you do a mighty work in them. And we pray first and foremost that you give them every chance to know you and you bring them to that and bring your name to the forefront, God. Because that's what we really need. In this nation, in our very hearts, in your name, Amen. Be blessed, my friends. Don't give up on the things you think are lost causes because nothing's a lost cause to God. And remember, you're loved.